The U.S. men's national team stays perfect at home following a 2-0 win over Jamaica on Friday night. And once again, the U.S. are the kings of CONCACAF. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly up in Portlandia. Is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, bud? What's going on, man? Nothing much, dude. Just uh, still still in shock over last night's Walking Dead. I know you watched it. You were loving it, right? Uh, No, I was busy watching a little soccer game between... Uh... The Portland Timbers in Seattle <laughs> Sounders. So, uh, yeah, I missed it. And, uh, yeah, and you threatened me. I have to wait till about Thursday to watch it, so do not spoil it for me. Yeah, so everyone just send t- constant tweets to Ivis with spoiler details. Anyone would, anyone who spoils it, you, you're getting, I'm, I'm coming for you. <laughs> How, how's Portland, though, man? How's your, uh, how's your second home? How's your second family up there? <laughs> this is my second time in Portland. <laughs> it's not my second home. I, you know what? I wouldn't mind it as a second home. It's pretty, it's, it's great here. The people are great. Uh, it's just an amazing city, and uh, one of the things I would point out is uh, I got here on Saturday night, uh, you know, around eleven o'clock local time, and uh, and I heard about the the Timbers Army supporters who line up uh, at the stadium the day before uh, to get the like premium spots in the in their seating in, in their section. So you know, you have people who camp out at at Jeldwin Field, uh, you know, twenty four hours plus before kickoff. Uh, and they waited in line and, and I hung out with a bunch of them on uh Saturday night and it was crazy. it was just just the the commitment and the passion that these guys have is is just unbelievable. I mean the guy who the first person in line had been in line for uh seven AM Saturday morning. He uh he that that's how early he got there to be the first guy so he could have his pick of seats uh for this game and uh it's just impressive Everything, you know, what they have going on up here. I mean, it, you you have to tip your hat to it and, and, and you have to come up here to really get a sense of, of just how much passion there is for the sport, for the teams, and MLS in general. I've never camped out for anything. Have you? No, I can't say that I have, uh, but, uh, you know, I can respect it. I, I will. I mean, I did hang out till about 3 a.m., and it was chill. It was definitely chilly that night. But, uh, no, I, I don't think I have camped out for anything. Like, I'll go at midnight to things. You know, like a movie at midnight or something like that. that. But yeah, I'll never, I've never like camped out. I always, I always wonder though. It's like, you're right though. To, to camp out and be out there in one spot for a day, two, three. I mean, it is pretty wild. It is. It, and you know what's funny? I'll tell you one thing that was, that was interesting was that, you know, if you, when you think about the, that scene, you know, you got all these guys with their, their sleeping bags and tents and, you know, they're, 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 you know, have eating soup out of thermoses and all this and that. Uh, you, you know, I think some people would have a misconception that it'd be, it, it, it's, it's not professional people, that it's, you know, uh, college students or the like. Uh, meanwhile, like, like when I went, when I was there that night, you know, the, the people at the front of the line, you know, you, you're talking about uh, a lawyer, uh, uh, a, a mechanical engineer, uh, a banker, like so. These are these are like professional guys, professionals who you know, but they they love the sport and and they and they buy in. They they're completely <laughs> Wait, bought into it. Did you ask them what they did, or did they right away go, "Oh, I'm a lawyer, though, so don't judge me"? No, I mean we were just talking. I mean, I told <laughs> you, I hung, I hung out for a while. I was there till till three uh, three in the morning. They they, they had some great hospitality. Uh, a couple of SBI readers actually in the bunch, so. Uh, it was great. It was great. So, uh, but, and then the scenes there at the game, I got to tell you, I mean, yeah. I, I put a few videos on Instagram, uh, but, but you know, videos, those videos don't do it justice. You have, if you have to kind of get, be in the stadium and, and really just kind of soak it in and it's a little, it's different, you know, Seattle has, they have a great atmosphere too, obviously in Century Link. uh, Geldwin, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's unique. It's very unique. I mean, it, 
I feel it more like a European setting, like a you know a, a Craven Cottage or or Goodison, where where it's just it's a smaller stadium, but it's just packed to the rafters, and everybody in the stadium is into the game and understands what's going on, is watching the game, reacting to the game, and it, it's just a real, just a real authentic feel to it. it, it it's it's a great scene. Well, I have tons to talk about on today's show. We'll talk about the Portland-Seattle game last night. We'll talk about the three other MLS games from this weekend. As always, we'll do an SBI Q&A. Just some more general news at the end of the show for us to talk about. But before, the reason why you're on the road is because you're in Kansas City for the U.S. Men's National Team game on Friday night against Jamaica, the second-to-last World Cup qualifier in the fourth round. USA stays perfect at home, defeats Jamaica 2-0. to zero. Graham Zuzzi with the goal. Josie Adzdort, nice to see him get a goal after what he's going through at Sunderland. And the U.S. Ivis, they're, they're top dogs once again in the CONCACAF region. We said that this is now the third time that they'll finish with the top spot in the group. And I mean, I, I think that's great, and that's very impressive, and it shows the growth that the U.S. has had over the last decade. Right. I mean, it's just. I mean, I, I wouldn't even say growth necessarily. I mean, this this team is clearly stronger than than, than recent uh, incarnations of it. But I would I would say it is it's consistency. I mean, you, you if you if you're winning the hex, you know, three years in a row or three cycles in a row. Uh, or four cycles in a row, that you're, you're doing something right, you know, and 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 even though it's been it's been different coaches that have done it, but uh, this particular cycle has been even more impressive than others when you when you think about finishing perfect at home, a perfect five and zero, oh, five shutout wins. Uh, that's impressive, mm-hmm. and and I know some people who, who like to rain on the parade and and say, oh, it's Concacaf, it's not all that impressive. But you know what? This is the region that we're in and and this is this kind of the one one of the measuring sticks uh, is is how you do in this region and and the US has done well before but this group really really put it all together and and, and played with some real consistency and uh I think it's just interesting how only 2 years ago there was all the talk about Mexico and how Mexico looked like they yep. they have a golden generation and then, you know I I was buying I bought into it too at the time you know I really saw Mexico having uh, having great years ahead and and really dominating and really taking control of things just because they had that generation of, of talent coming up, and here we are two years later and the tide is completely turned now and and instead of it being a case of oh Mexico has this big gap in the U.S. now it's re- now it's clear and there's no argument that the U.S. is the king of Concacaf right now. Well, the U.S. currently has 19 points. If they defeat Panama on Tuesday, they'll finish with 22 points. That will be the most points, most wins also in the group at seven since the 2006 qualifiers. For the game on Friday night against Jamaica, uh, I think there was a lot of things that we wanted to see, certain players in certain positions. You know, We wanted to see what Brad Evans could do against Jamaica again. We wanted to see what Jeff Cameron could do at center back. Mix Discord is pairing with Jermaine Jones. Aaron Johansson, lost to take from this game, and kind of a lot of interesting performances too. For instance, a guy like Mix Discrude, Ivis, you know, Jurgen comes out with the 4-4-2 with more of the diamond mix kind of playing as the attacking mid. I thought at times he looked good in the game. He, he did a couple good things, but for the most part, his positioning was kind of poor. And then when Jurgen brings in Sasha Kleschen, you see Mix playing more of a 10, and that role seems to suit him a little more. But you wonder, I mean, what does Jurgen take from his performance against Jamaica on Friday night? For the most part, Mix was, I thought okay, and, and failed to really make a mark on the game. Well, I mean, if that's your takeaway, I mean, uh, you know, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. I, I wouldn't say mixed this group that had a bad game. Uh, I, I thought he did well, and and the thing is, right, it, it, you're looking for signs, right? You're looking for 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 kind of 
things to look at the game at their game and see how if that can translate going forward. I mean, I thought Jermaine Jones was really the problem if there was one in the midfield. I don't think he was 100%. I think he was playing hurt. And that hampered the entire midfield. And I think Disgrude worked around that and actually had to kind of carry uh, carry the load a bit more because of that. So, I mean, I, I, I saw a, I, in Disgrude, I saw a player who, when he got the ball, moved it around well. He moved well. And I, I think he had to make up for Jermaine Jones not being 100%. Uh, and I agree with you. When he moved up in the second half and, and had a more, more free role, mm-hmm. uh, that allowed him. It was kind of basically taking the shackles off and letting him kind of have more freedom to, to do things. He didn't have to worry as much about Jermaine Jones and and kind of having to keep that balance with Jermaine Jones. I mean, I for me, I thought he did well. I, th- I thought he. It's not. It wasn't like this. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my God. Performance. I mean, he. You know, the Gold Cup final for me was that performance for him, where he. You know, him. Him and Kyle Beckerman had that great balance of working together, and I think that th- that's why I think. It was a good performance for Discruden, and I think it helps his stock because I'm sure uh, Jurgen Klinsmann's fully aware that Jermaine Jones was not 100 percent and didn't have a good game, and he saw Discruden deal with that and adapt to that, and and uh, it, so for me it was a positive for Discruden. And a couple other guys I thought good performances too, especially the guys coming off the bench. Real quick, I thought Jeff Cameron looked pretty good, but I think the three substitutions that came off the bench, Ivis, we've seen Jurgen. He just seems to have a magic touch where anyone he brings off the bench just seems to contribute. Almost immediately, and and you get a positive result from Graham Zuzzi for 45 minutes. Then you get an outstanding performance from Edgar Castillo, who can't defend, but he shows his quality in the final third by getting that ball in there. Probably Josie probably would have had a second goal if Castillo wasn't maybe a little selfish, but I think I understand why he went for the net on that one. And then Sasha Kleshin comes in, and I thought he looked pretty good too. I mean, it, it's encouraging to see, Ivis, that when Jurgen goes to his bench, guys that he bring on have positive impacts, and that's what they're supposed to do. And it, it's just good to see the depth that this team has when you have guys coming off the bench, they contribute almost immediately. Well, we've talked about it before. The depth on this team is better than it's ever been, and, and with that quality, now you have guys coming off the bench who would five years ago have been good enough to start. And and with that, you know, you have more options and you have to give Klinsman a lot of credit. He has a really good feel for this group and what these guys can do. And, uh, you know, the move to, to, to go for putting putting in Graham Zussi for Landon Donovan at halftime of the game. I mean, you know, some might say, oh, that's a gutsy move. But you know what? It's it's the move of a coach that knows knows his team and knows what needed to be done. And he knew that Landon Donovan was not having a good game. And, and, and obviously, it looks like he you know, he was carrying an, an injury, which didn't help matters. And, and, and the move paid off. So, you know, I, I think the something else that you should look at also when it comes to subs in some of these games, I mean, it, it, the U.S. gets in a position where they're going to win a game or when they're taking a lead and, and the opponent's chasing the game. Uh, it it. it, it Leaves teams exposed to to to, to players coming on and like a Sasha question. You know, I've been saying for a while I'd like to see him get a chance and let let him do his thing. But again, yeah, you, ha- you have to kind of you know weigh it against also the circumstances. A, t- a Jamaica team that was uh, chasing the game and 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 was desperate and 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 really lost their shape. I mean, it's 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 a little easier for for a question to come into a situation like that and really do his thing. And that's why I think it's, you know, it might be a little unfair to, to look at Discarude's performance and say, oh, you know, he didn't do that well because he, he was on the field and he was playing in that role at, at a time when Jamaica was really still in the game and organized and really, I thought Jamaica played well. I thought for, for, yeah. for the level that they played at in, in the hex, I thought this was one of their better games and, and they really came out with some purpose and some organization. And, uh, and Discrude had to deal with that, and I thought he did he did okay. And Kleshin, to his credit, he came on, 
uh, and when the game had really opened up and stretched because Jamaica was, was in desperation mode, I thought he did well there. And hopefully for him, he you know, he can build on that and, and get some more minutes because I think he's a good player. And I think, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit for, for being a really good option for your inclusion. You're right about Jamaica. I saw that, too. We saw a much different side out of them. They, they were possessing the ball. They were knocking the ball around a little bit more. I mean, close to about 25 minutes left in the match, the U.S. started to assert their dominance and, and really started dominating. But for the most part... We saw a very calm and, and organized Jamaica team, and I, and I think it surprised a lot of people. And, and, and it kind of plays into what happened with the U.S. men's national team in the first half. I mean, do you think, Ivis, that guys just weren't motivated, or, or was it Jamaica just did a really good job of controlling the pace of the game? I mean, how do you explain Landon Donovan's lethargic performance? I, I mean, I, it, the first half is kind of a very interesting from a lot of different dynamics. Well, I think I, I, think I just explained it in a way. I mean, think about it, right? Uh, number one, Jamaica comes out. They, they, they're a much more organized team than we've seen. I, I think the coaching change, uh, the, the coach that, that, that they have now, has done a better job with them over the in, in the fall here. These these you know September games in October, you know they, they've looked better under the new coach. Uh, secondly, you had a couple of U.S. players who probably played injured or, or probably shouldn't have uh, played. Uh, Landon Donovan and Jermaine Jones, the two least effective guys on that field, uh, for my money. Uh, the guys who struggled the most, you know, that's two, those two guys right there. And that, that is, for me, that's why the attack just wasn't, wasn't on point. And even with that, the U S traded chances, Aaron Johansson, uh, had, had, I don't know, I don't know how many, he had a handful of opportunities that normally he would bury, but you know, it, it was pretty clear he was pressing. It's his first national team start, his first qualifier, uh, in that environment, and 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 I'm not saying the kid, the kid was overwhelmed, but I, I I can definitely you definitely have a sense that he wanted to he wanted to score so badly that he pressed, and he and he and he didn't take the chances the way he normally does. But I thought he still had a good game because he was putting himself in good spots. And I know some people were really some people were down on Johansson after this game because he missed the chances. But for me, a player like him at his age and in that being his first game, the fact that he kept putting himself in those positions is what people need to take away from this is the fact that he has those skills, that ability to read the game, that ability to move into space. Uh, and 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 play off of Josie Altidore. I mean, those qualities are very encouraging. And Jurgen Klinsmann ha- had praise for him after the match because that's you know Jurgen Klinsmann is he was a he was a legendary striker. He understands strikers better than most better than most people. He saw that. He sees Johansson having all the tools uh, to really be an impact forward. So you know what? Yes, he missed some chances, but the, the qualities there. That's what's encouraging. And overall, your man of the match, Graham Zuzi, correct? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. There weren't a ton of like <laughs> amazing performances, but uh, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I thought he he really helped make an impact in the second half, and he he really showed the qualities that he has, and it it it, it really amazes me how how there's this kind of. And look, he's Graham not the first. Graham Zuzi hate, you know. Yeah, Graham Zuzi hate, and, and you know what? He's not the first player to have that to, to just randomly deal with people questioning his uh, his quality. But he he shows it over and over, right? And and look, he's gonna he's gonna keep getting his chances. And, and as of right now, you know what? Maybe he doesn't start on a full strength U.S. team, but he's a damn good option. 
and, and I think he can he can help you uh, on the international level. And, and it seems like there's still people who doubt that, who question just what he can give you. And I think he's shown it over and over that he can give you quite a bit. But we even talked about this two months ago when Landon Donovan was doing his thing in Cambodia. We talked about how Zuzi was becoming the starting right mid for the U.S. and how he was impressing. This type of service was the equivalent at that time to what we've seen at Landon Donovan. Zuzi's a fabulous player. People need to get over themselves. Uh, game on Tuesday, Ivis. U.S. men's national team going down, taking on Panama in Central America. Uh, Panama has a lot to play for. They still have an outside shot of getting in through the playoff. They can't qualify directly, but they can get into the playoff. So for Panama, I mean, they're going to come out aggressive. They're going to come out hungry. They want a victory. They still have an opportunity for them. They need three points. There, there's there's no if or and. They're going to play for the victory. A couple roster changes, though, Ivis. As far as player player uh, rotations that were expected, um, some guys going home for injury, like you said, Jermaine Jones. So we should see a couple changes on Tuesday, and I, I think we'll, Ivis will see uh, maybe a different look from a U.S. men's national team. Maybe, maybe some newer faces. Maybe a guy like uh, Edgar Castillo getting a start. Maybe a guy like Kyle Beckerman. Brad Guzan's in goal. Tim Howard's back at home. So I think we could see a, a bunch of changes for the U.S. on Tuesday. Right. I mean, I think I don't know about wholesale changes, but obviously, you know. You, you, you have Jermaine Jones, Lennon Donovan, Tim Howard, Matt Beesler, uh have left the team. So right there you have four spots. Uh, Brad Guzman's obviously going to start in goal. And uh, I think Clarence Goodson's going to start at center back. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann kind of pretty much put that out there already that he wants to get a look at Goodson in the game, in, a game, in that game, uh, and check out the Goodson-Gonzalez combo, which we've seen before, obviously. Uh, the other two, the other two positions are a little, uh, are, are up up for grabs. So that that's uh, it's going to be interesting to see who who uh, Klinsman turns to. I mean, I think uh, you know Kyle Beckerman. It, it, you know, we could. I think we're going to see him. I think we could see him. Um, and then you have the other other role, which Graham uh, Graham Zussi, you figure is going to get get plugged in there. You know, after after his great performance. So that I think that lineup. You know, those four changes. Along with the rest of the guys that started, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm sorry. Demarcus Beasley uh, might. Ha- I think he picked up a knock too. So if he if he can't go, then uh, looks like Edgar Castillo is going to get his shot to start at left back. You know, one player we we did not talk about that was Alejandro Bedoya. You know, and I thought he looked pretty good. And I think he'll also start against Panama on Tuesday. And his work rate and just aggressive. And, and I mean, Bedoya is a great player to have. And and I you know with every performance I've he just. He just makes a case for his, his, his ticket to Brazil that needs to be punched, in, and I think he'll eventually earn it. Uh, well, as far as Bedoya goes, you know that I, you know, I've been saying forever. I've been, I thought he was. Well, he, I think he's a player that is going to have that spot in the World Cup team. This game was this was this necessarily the Jamaica game a great game for him? I, I wouldn't say so, but uh, I, I, you know, I thought he showed some good qualities, and, and I think he's going to continue to be that that option. Uh, he just gives you so much going both ways. You know, he, he, he gives you that honest effort defensively, but he also can go at people and, and, and really kind of disrupt things, disrupt opposing defenses. So I think, I think it's pretty clear that his level of play has improved, uh, you know, moving up in the level that, you know, he plays in France and I plays in Ligue and with not, and, uh, you know, he's starting regularly there. So that just shows you the, the level that he's playing at that he can, he can get consistent starts, uh, in France. So I, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good to see him continue to kind of evolve as a starter on this team. Ivis staying in the CONCACAF region for the qualifying. Mexico defeats Panama 2-1. to one. Big three points in that game. Up for grass for both teams. Mexico for both nations. Excuse me. Mexico and Panama. Jimenez comes on about 10, 10, 12, 15 seconds later. Gets a bicycle kick goal. Probably saved Mexico's chances. However, Ivis, they're not out of the woods yet. 
Honduras plays Jamaica next. Honduras should probably get a victory over Jamaica, who is not qualified. Mexico still has an opportunity to qualify directly, but that means they need to beat Costa Rica. And I'm already seeing it now. People now saying, oh, well, the U.S. should purposely lose to Panama on Tuesday so Panama can knock knock Mexico out. I don't agree with that. I think it's dumb. I think you want Mexico in the World Cup. But for Mexico, Ivis, the goal, the, the bicycle kick that possibly saved the World Cup chance is unbelievable from Jimenez. And, and do you think that's enough for them to go out and, and get some points against Costa Rica and still qualify for the World Cup, whether it be directly or for playoffs? Well, I mean, right now, everything's in their favor to get there. And, and, and you know, it's not because they're going to easily beat Costa Rica. They still have to go to Costa Rica. And even though Costa Rica's qualified already, I can tell you right now, the the Ticos want to beat Mexico. They they want to knock Mexico out of the World Cup more than anybody, and they've they brought in a a, a pretty strong full strength team to to get that job done. And and you know anyone who thinks that they're going to lay down for Mexico is, is is mistaken. You know, there's a lot of uh, just just as there's a USA Mexico rivalry, there there is a Costa Rica Mexico rivalry, and they are not fans of Mexico, so they're going to go out to beat Mexico. Uh, as far as I know, I don't think Mexico's won down there in in, in a good while, if ever. So that's going to be tough. But they have those three points in hand right now that where they have that edge on Panama. And even if they lose, I mean, Panama still has to beat the U.S. And they're playing a strong U.S. team. And anyone who's sitting there honestly thinking that the U.S. is going to lose on purpose is crazy. Uh, <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann wants Mexico in the World Cup. U.S. soccer wants Mexico in the World Cup. Uh, as much as there's a rivalry and, and everything that goes into that, you know what? We're in business together, you know, and, uh, on a lot of different levels, U.S. and Mexico, and, and, there's, and they're tied together. Uh, so it's, it is a, the success of each helps the other. And, and I think uh, from that standpoint, Jurgen Clinton is going to put out a strong team, and he wants to win out. I mean, what bet? It, it, it means a lot more to the U.S. Uh, to win out and, and get a, another good road win. Uh, then, then knocking out a, a rival, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't play to lose. You can't. It's that's stupid. It just doesn't make any sense. They're going to go out there to play, and does that mean they're going to win? It's maybe not. You know, because Panama's a, a tough team at, at home. They're going to be tougher. So by no means is it a pushover. But I think the U.S. with the with the quality that they still have on that team. They're going to be able to give Panama a really good test. And uh, we'll have more to talk about after Tuesday's final games in the qualifying USA versus Panama. Ivis and I will have a recap show. We'll break down the latest from that game, also the other games in the region, and just we'll look at around the league as far as teams who've qualified over the weekend. Ivis, as you said, you're still in Portland, so you had a chance to check out Seattle uh, taking on Portland in a Cascadia match. Seattle really struggling over the last two matches. I mean, it's going to be a very difficult task for them to go in and defeat Portland at home. They fall again. Portland defeats them 1-0. to A goal from Ala uh, Hassan in the 45th minute. And, uh, I mean, for Seattle, Ivis, they're, they're on a really bad slide. But for Portland, I mean, they're first in the West, and, and things are going really well for them right now. Right, I mean, Portland's on a roll. They they're at the they're at the top of the of the of the table right now, uh, and everything's going right for them. I mean, you have to give Caleb Porter a lot of credit. He's really, I mean, he's done a good job all year. But now, you, even more so, last month you've really seen Portland tighten things up and and really start to win these close games on a more consistent basis. So, uh, hats off to them. The 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 atmosphere is like I said earlier was amazing at the at the game and except for a first 15 minutes or so where Seattle really took it to the Timbers. Uh, I mean after that first 15 minutes, Portland just 
took control and really dominated that game and really frustrated a Seattle team that I'd say this about Seattle, right? I mean, I know they lost again and now they're on a three game losing streak, but considering how they looked in, in, in some of these games recently getting blown away, I thought they actually didn't play badly at all. I mean, for, for what they had uh, available, when you talk about injuries, they were, they were missing Eddie Johnson, uh, Obafemi Martins, Clint Dempsey played hurt for most of the game. Uh, Jimmy Triori was not there, uh, you know, for all that, uh, for them to, to, you know, come out of Portland and nearly getting an equalizer. I mean, they nearly came out of here with a point, even though they lost Oswaldo Alonso to a red card. Uh, and, and, and even though they were dominated for the better part of 90 minutes, they nearly got a point out of this. So that's something, you know, maybe it's a small consolation, but at least in a way they've, they, Siggy Schmidt stopped bleeding a bit because if they would have come in here and gotten blown away again, then, then it would, that would have been it. Their season's over. You can't see the team rebounding psychologically from three straight ugly losses. So I think from that standpoint, it's something to build on. You, you, you would think for, for Seattle. But for Portland right now, they're on a roll, and and you know they're tied with the Red Bulls in the Supporters Shield race. The Red Bulls have the edge on goals scored. So uh, if Red Bulls win their last two games, they have the Supporters Shield. Uh, but I can tell you right now, if they if they slip up, I, I think the Timbers are going to take it. Well, and, and you're right about Seattle. For all the doom and gloom, everyone seems seems to be throwing out there about Seattle. I mean, they're still only two points out behind Portland for first in the West. So it's not like they're they're on the brink of not making the playoffs like the Montreal Impact are, which we will talk about them in just a few minutes. Uh, but for Seattle, Ivis, you know, what what can they do besides getting guys healthy? It just seems that teams the last couple of weeks have just come out really aggressive against them. I mean, what, what could Ziggy tell his players, or, or is it just a health thing, just having better quality out there for Seattle? I mean, what can they do to stop the bleeding and at least try to go into the playoffs with, you know, maybe two games win, by winning the last final two games or picking up four points or something like that. I mean, what what can they do to kind of stop this this slow bleeding that they're going through? Uh, as much as you hate losing your rival, I think they showed some things that that they can build on. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't a beautiful game by any means, but they they created some dangerous chances that you know on another night could have been could could have led to goals. And and I think defensively, it was really important for them. Uh, to put together a strong game and, and not get ripped apart again. I mean, Vancouver and Colorado tore them to shreds. Uh, and, and I think that really had to hit their psyche as a team, you know, that to, to lose. When you lose games that badly, it can have a lingering effect on you. And, and I think that this this one zero game, uh, you know, I, I think as tough as it as tough as it is, it's still a loss. Uh, but I think from that standpoint, that's something you can take away from this game, especially if you're a defender on the Sounders. When you go from giving up nine goals in two games, uh, turning around and giving up just one goal uh, on the road in Portland, I think that's something to build on. Well, speaking of the Montreal Impact, it's Team Ivis that's really on the brink of not making the playoffs. They're tied on points with four with the Chicago Fire, so they're both in. But the Union are also on 46 points. They're knocking on the door. New England Revolution, a team two weeks ago, I think they were six points out of a playoff spot. Now they're only one point out. They go into Montreal, defeat them one to zero, went on a great goal. Uh, from Ho- Jose Gonsalves, and then he hits a strike like five minutes later that I, I thought was going to go into. But for for Montreal, I this New England went in there and just dominated them. Montreal had no life, and I just think at this point, I'm, I'm going to call it Montreal is not going to make the playoffs. Well, hey man, I've been how long have I been saying that? I called dude? it two weeks ago. I called it before <laughs> you, so I'm taking uh, you, I think we both know that's not true. Uh, look, they, they, they're, they're an older team, and I think they're really hitting the wall. 
And, you know, we've obviously talked about their defense for a while now and, and how their defense has been shaky, but now you're talking about their offense uh, being shut out at home. I mean, that's kind of, un, un, you know, it, once the, the the offense starts to go and you can't count on on them to, to deliver goals, then you're in serious trouble. And, uh, you know, this is a flat showing uh, by any measure, especially if you're at home. Uh, I mean, you know, they had the edge in possession and and, and they had more uh, – they had more of the ball, but New England was the one who really came away with more chances. They really put more pressure on Montreal's defense. And, uh, I mean, if I'm Marco Shalabam, I'm really worried, uh, you know, about just what, what we're going to expect there. And, you know, now they have to go to their midweek game. They have that game in hand, but the game in hand is not going to mean a whole lot if they have to go to L.A. and deal with L.A. You know, L.A. is a strong team, and uh, Landon Donovan has returned, and I have a feeling he's going to play in that game. It wouldn't shock me if he does. Uh, so, you know what? Uh, Montreal absolutely could miss the playoffs. Uh, another team in the East that's fighting for its playoff life, the Chicago Fire. They go into Big D, come away with a 3-2 to two, uh, victory. Mike McGee gets another goal, deflection off him. That's the type of season that he's having. Uh, but but there's there's a little, I, I don't want to raise the alarm on, on Chicago Fire things, Ivis, but the last two weeks, D.C. United last week, the Fire got the victory 3-0, to zero, but D.C. United really gave it to the Fire and with that, just if, if some other things went their way, DC United could have won that game just based off the opportunities they had in the first 20 minutes that they converted some of those. Here's another team, FC Dallas, a team that is barely hanging off for the playoff line. Chicago goes up 3-0 and then concedes two goals. For the Fire, I, I think they'll make the playoffs, and I think their offense is good enough and, and has shown quality since Mike McGee has got there. But with the Fire, I mean, we're seeing some issues on their defense. And for me, I, I want to see them fix some things before they make the playoffs to to face two teams like D.C. and F.C. Dallas and give up that many chances and to let in goals. Chicago Fire, they need, they, need to, they need to tweak some things on the defense and prove very quickly where their playoff stay is going to be very short. I don't know, man. I think you're nitpicking. You know, they're up, they, they had a 3-0 lead on a desperate team that threw everything at them but the kitchen sink. Dallas got a few goals late. It happens. Uh, you know, uh, does that mean the Fire's defense isn't is is is, is at their best right now? No. But is it but is that something that you should say, oh, there's a serious cause for concern? I mean, No, I'm not say saying it's cause. They should just Well, you just it. said it. You no, just it's said, it, they need to squeak it. Well, there's wait, a cause for about, concern. We're talking about the game they won and your and your takeaway point is about the defense. So that tells me you're worried about the defense. Yeah. Well, that for me, the takeaway is that the fact that they're continuing to score goals, and they won again. They're they're starting to to to, to regain the momentum as a team going in there. And uh, you know what? At the end of the day, are they a team that's going to win the title or really challenge? No, I don't think that. But I do think they're they're good enough to get in the playoffs, and, and that's a big plus for them. Obviously, you know, after last year, uh, they want to try to build off last year a little bit. But I, I you know, their defense. I, I don't know. I wouldn't sit here worried about it too much. I mean, they they were winning three zero. And and you know what you're gonna give you know give up some goals once in a while that you know when when you have a lead um, and they just post post a shutout against DC last last week you know I mean come on I know they gave up a bunch of chances and I know Sean Johnson stood on his head he had a good uh, game but and but right but yeah, I don't know I I, I I you're putting a little you're putting a little bit a little bit much into the the, the Chicago defense frailties <laughs> I think I think their attack is, is impressing me. yes and I think they're gonna be able to cause some problems. When they get into the playoffs, no, I, I think I, I, no, I, I think they will too. I'm, I'm not like trying to say like th- this is like the the catastrophe. I, I just think that if they could tweak some things, I mean, the fire could be an even better team. Yeah, uh, what, what, what are they going to tweak? Tell me. Give, well, me, give me, give Frank Clover some suggestions. So. No, on the defense. I mean, look, look, look. You're playing FC Dallas. I mean, I, I don't know if he wanted to push <laughs> up too much, but what we've seen is just 
poor man marking on on the fire and they've been overexposed a couple times in the past weeks i mean especially against i mean dc we saw that man dc ran wild in the midfield shore that up play more man to man don't overexpose yourself i mean look i love kenny cooper i think it's great that he's getting goals but i mean he was creating space in the second half that that i just i don't know maybe it's just kenny cooper they didn't match up well against him i just want i'm just saying look i like the fire i like him a lot as far as an offensive output team just the defense tweak a couple things up I think they can make a run, Ivis. Mm, I, I don't know about them making a run, but uh, you know what? Maybe there's something to that. Their defense can be better, yes, but I think their defense is what it is. You know, they're not. There's no tweak that Frank Lopez is going to do that's going to turn them into you know this juggernaut defense that doesn't give up any goals. It's just not happening. They are what they are. They're if they're going to win games in the playoffs, it's going to be outscoring people. It's not going to be one zero games. GC breaking it down for you, Ivis. All right, the last game of the weekend. DC United and the Philadelphia Union. Union did not have a good game at all. Uh, excuse me. Except for Jack McInerney getting a goal back. Uh, good for him to see him on, on the score sheet. Uh, we saw the Sebastian Latou tournament. Latou, excuse me, at right back. That didn't go over so well. And my boy, Nick DeLeon, what a goal from him. And for the Union, I mean, they just had to be extraordinarily disappointed to only be able to come away from RFK with one point in this game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're, if you're Philly, uh, and the crazy thing is, I mean, they've had, they've had success against, uh, against DC in the past. They've gone down RFK and gotten, you know, gotten results. And here we are in a game they, they actually needed the three points and they, they weren't able to get it done. And, but I would say this, as much as it's disappointing that they drop points, I think the big takeaway for me, and I think what could be bigger for them, is the fact that Jack McInerney got off the score, off the schneid. He got off. He he he, he had gone out three months without a goal, and there were serious questions. I mean, he had been he he's last few games he's been on the bench, right? I mean, uh, John Hackworth has, has tried to figure things out to kind of get him going again. And I've said this for a couple of shows now: the Union, any chance the Union has of a making the playoffs and b doing anything in the playoffs. Hinges on McInerney being in form and McInerney scoring goals. They absolutely must have that if they're going to do anything in the playoffs. And the fact that he got this goal, I, th- I think, could be a, a turning point for them. And and if he gets going, if he can find that mojo of earlier in the season when everything was working for him and everything was going right for him, if he can get, if he can regain that form, then the union, you know, the union can 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 hang with anybody. The union can give anybody trouble, uh, and that's what we're going to see now. We're going to see these last two games. Uh, especially that game, you know, when you talk about the game against Montreal, which is, I mean, it's the probably the biggest game next week. Definitely one of the biggest games. I mean, that's like a playoff playing game. Montreal, Philly. Philly's got to go up to Montreal. Montreal is struggling right now. Uh, the, and if Jack McInerney gets up there and puts up a couple of goals, and all of a sudden the Union are looking good for the playoffs, and they've got the weapon they need to make some something happen in the playoffs. Is uh, is everything okay in Portland? Sound like you're having a nuclear meltdown. It's an alarm. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I was four teams competing for the final two spots in the East: Montreal, Chicago, Philadelphia, New England. Only two teams get in. Who gets in? I don't think Montreal's getting in, dude. I think I think Philly and New England. Ooh. I think they get. I think they get in. I say fire New England. Fire, well, fire three, comma all... New England. <laughs> what? Uh, hold on a second. Let me. Uh... Oh wait, I'm sorry. I thought I already had the fire in. Uh, you know what? I have, let me look at the standings. I'm, All right, so I'll, I'll 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 give you a minute here, Ivis. I'm recovering from from Sunday night. Uh, uh, yeah, how'd that go? I heard I heard I heard, I heard I heard you left the party early. Ha <laughs> ha! I should have I should have. 
definitely did not though. Uh, let's see. Um, hmm. Come on. I do. You know what? I agree with you. Fire. Yes. The fire are gonna get in. I think they are. And uh, hmm. You know what? I think New England gets in. And and, and nothing against the Union, but I, I just think New England's schedule. Uh, playing two games against the Columbus Crew team that's out of it already. I think that that they're they're going to roll in. Uh, I, I think they as much as as much as they they felt hard done by in that Red Bulls game. I think that Red Bulls game has become a rallying point for them. And uh, you know the schedule is in their favor. Philly's schedule is much tougher. They have, they have to go up to Montreal, and uh, and then they have to play Kansas City uh, in this in regular season finale. So I, I got to say. That's, it's a tough one to call, man. Uh, I, I, I say the fire in. I think they're definitely in. I think Montreal completely slides out. Uh, and then it's a real coin flip between the Union and the Revolution. I, 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 I'm having trouble just picking one. I got to uh, – man, I can't, I can't decide. Well, I'm I going can't. with fire New England. And, and let, it, let it be marked that at 10.16 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Ivis agreed with me on my playoff prediction. So did I? Did I? Oh I yeah, I, I said I it. I said it, and right away you're like, "Yeah, I gotta agree with you on that." I can't. I, I agree can't with do you on voice. the fire. I, I can't do your voice. You. I gotta learn how to impersonate your voice. I agree with you on the fire. New I, England, I, do New England's taking on the crew in back-to-back games? The crew have nothing to play for. Mm, yeah, but you know what? The crew can play spoiler. I mean, their coach <laughs> wants the job. He, he's, he's not. He's, he doesn't want to lose out. You know, he's gonna have them motivated. Uh, ooh, man. You know what? Oh, man. I can't, I can't, I can't. Uh... All right, fine. I'll go the Reds. Oh, Reds. yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I was, no more talk about the weekend's action because there were no other games. Uh, one thing that we need, we do, do need to talk about that came out on Tuesday morning. There was a report, Ivis, that said MLS might adopt to a European schedule as soon as 2014. How legit is this report? Uh, I wouldn't put a lot of, of stock into it, um, uh, from what I understand. Uh, MLS, you know, they, they, I think they've done surveys, uh, recently to kind of measure the, uh, the feasibility of a schedule change, uh, of a dramatic schedule change. But is one happening? No. Uh, I, I think the report was, uh, just, uh, just off mark, off the mark. I think it, it went, it, it looked like it went with some, some questionable information and, uh, if anything, it's become a good conversation piece. You know, I think everyone's talking this uh, on to, on Monday morning about the MLS schedule, which you know what, good publicity for MLS. Which you know, you can't. There's no such thing as bad publicity if it gets people talking about the league. But mm-hmm. is that is it going to actually happen? No, I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't put money on it. Uh, it does. I just don't think it does enough for the league at this point for them to to have to do that. And I don't think I don't think they have to do that. So. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath on that happening anytime soon. All I know is this: is if it did happen, Phoenix would get a team like hands down. It's like seventy out here in December. Like we would get a team for sure. <laughs> you wish <laughs> it would happen. It could seriously. It could happen. It's like it's I'm, dude, when you're freezing your butt off. I'm wearing t-shirt and shorts and going to the pool. <laughs> okay, yeah, but in the summer you're like uh you're, you're like on Mars and can't leave the house because it's 150 degrees. Yeah, I know. I'm cooking on the street. <laughs> there, there you go. We've reached the end of the show. You know what that means? It's the SBI Q and A. Send any questions you have using hashtag Ask the SBI Show. Um, I'm surprised. No zombie questions. Come on, people, listen to the show. Send us some zombie questions. I want to talk Walking Dead, even though I haven't watched it. Uh, first it wasn't question. a good. It, it was. It wasn't a good first episode, apparently. So I, it was a good first episode. 
Okay. Let me tell you, Ivis. Like, oh my. All right. Before you don't come, even, before don't before you fly to Arizona, punch even. me in the face. First yeah. question comes from Paul D. Butterworth. Is Dempsey the victim of excessive targeting, or is that just life in Major League Soccer? It's life in MLS, man. If you are an attacking player, if you're a top attacking player in MLS, you're going to get hit. You're going to get fouled, and uh, it's just part of the part of the business, you know. And you have to be able to deal with that and, and work around it. Uh, I, I really don't, you know, just watching the games. Has he been fouled? Yes. Has he been fouled more than other players? No. I mean, I think that I, I thought I thought it was a little interesting for, you know, Siggy Schmidt to. You, you understand as as a, the coach for Dempsey that he's going to want to try to send a message out and, and hope that the referees start to pay more attention. But I I can't honestly sit here and 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 say that he gets fouled more than Darlington Nagby. I mean, Darlington Nagby gets fouled as much as anyone in the league probably. So uh, you know what? It, it comes with the territory. You just got to deal with it. Uh, next question comes from Michael Warhol. I also have to say that his Twitter description says he puts lover of woman in his Twitter description. He also looks like he'd hang out with Franco. Um, <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> why hasn't anyone put Mike Pecky in the coach of the year conversation? First year coach in first place. Well, listen, I, you know, he deserves, he deserves a lot of credit, right? There's no doubt about it. Um, to, to do the job he's done. But look, at the end of the day, <clears throat> the New York Red Bulls are supposed to be a good team. They have the highest payroll in the league, or second highest payroll in the league. They have Terry Henry, Tim Cahill, Hamasin Olave, Luis Robles, Dax McCarty. They have talent, and they're supposed. They're they're, a, they're you walk in there, and it's a playoff team. Period. Right. And the the, the measure after that is what you can do beyond just getting them into the playoffs. Um, and and so. I think it's just a higher. There's just a higher level, a measure there. It's just the bar is set a lot higher for the for the Red Bulls, and uh, that's why I think other coaches get more credit. Because look, beginning of the year, uh, you know, if you ask most people who would do better, the Red Bulls or the Portland Timbers, I think I think nine out of ten people would have said the Red Bulls. Who, if you ask who who would have a you know who would have a, a better year between uh, the Red Bulls and the Colorado Rapids, right? It wouldn't even be close. A ten out of ten people would have said the New York Red Bulls. Yet here we are. Portland Timbers, Colorado Rapids, both have had outstanding years. So that's why their coaches are, you know, it, they're ahead of the pack when it comes to the the coach of the year conversation. And for me, it's still, it's Caleb Porter, right? I, I know I had uh, Oscar Pereja uh, a month ago, but, uh, you know, I think now Portland has really turned it on. And I think Portland uh, Porter's done an amazing job uh, rebuilding, revamping a team that was just a mess a year ago. And and it, it, to do that in one year is, is absolutely impressive. Uh, so for me, he gets that. Uh, Pecky, you know what? If he if he wins the supporter shield, uh, he'll have his award. He'll have his trophy, and and and, and Red Bulls fans love him for it. And uh, but yes, he deserves credit. I think if if you want to do a ballot, I think he's he's on the ballot, right? I think if you're talking about three coaches, I put him on there. Nothing against Jason Christ. Uh and again, it goes to it goes to what you expected teams to do before the season began and whether or not people have exceeded or met expectations. For me, I thought Real Salt Lake was a playoff team. I, I didn't buy into the rebuilding thing. I said it. Anyone can go back and listen to our MLS previews. On this show, I said Real Salt Lake would reload. They wouldn't rebuild. They're gonna be just as good as they've been, and that's what they've done. So you know what? Christ is credit. He's done a great job again. But Coach of the Year for me is about people who exceed expectations, and no one has exceeded expectations more than Caleb Porter and Oscar Pereja. Next question comes from Brian Abernathy. Does Bob Bradley lead the Pharaohs past Ghana? I think he will. 
I think it's I think it's destiny. I think it's fate. I believe in all that stuff. I just think everything is the way everything has happened, and with all the turmoil in Egypt, um, it just seems perfect. And and, and maybe it's it's hopeful and idealistic, but I, I think they have the quality to do it. And Bob Bradley's the coach that can get that done. But I tell you one thing: if he doesn't do it, right? Let's say they fall short. Ghana Ghana wins. Uh, Egypt gets knocked out. I tell you what, you can see Bob Bradley coaching uh, another team uh, that goes to the World Cup. You know, Australia fired their coach recently, and they have an opening there. And, and I think Bob Bradley absolutely could do that job. So, uh, I would, you know, I, I, what I would say is that even even if Egypt doesn't make it to the World Cup, I, I still think we could see Bob Bradley there. Next question comes from El Capacino. Why do you think Klinsman is sending LD a message? I don't think. I'm sending him a message. It came down to he didn't play well. He was clearly uh, hobbled or, or, or you know, he was, he was not at 100%. It was pretty clear as day. He's been dealing with an ankle injury that's been kind of hampering him lately. So he took him out. You know, he had a, he had a healthier option. Uh, so, so why not go with it? I, I, I think people read, try to read way too much into things sometimes. And, and I, I really don't think there's anything to it other than the fact he just didn't play well in the first half. Uh, next question comes from Nihal. Is it one silver lining of Josie's move? I think it wasn't a bad move. The fact that a spot opened for Johansson at Azed. Oh, I think that's, yeah, obviously for, <laughs> from the U.S. national team standpoint, it, it has been better uh, to have uh, Josie move to Sunderland and, and allow uh, Aaron Johansson to become the main man at Azed. I've said it repeatedly, and I'll say it again. I still think the Sunderland move at the end of the day Will have been the best move for him, and will be, and will be a positive move for him. I know it's tough to see that now, with how they're playing and how the results they're getting or not getting, and the service that Josie Altidore is not getting. But I, I think the tests that he is going through on a weekly basis, <clears throat> playing in the Premier League, going up against the top defenders, some of the top defenders in the world, is only going to make him better. So I, I think people worried about confidence and worried about form. You know what? I, I get that. Uh, there's valid questions there. But I think Altidore at this point in his career is mature enough that he can handle that. He can deal with club struggles and uh, and, and not let that get in the way of, of him performing on the international level. Um, I, um, I, 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 I was just thinking um, that Nihal kid, that, the guy that asked a question, he thought it'd be wise to challenge me in FIFA 14, and I beat his face down, beat him 2-1. to one. So if anyone wants to challenge me, <laughs> well, I think I think Franco needs to play so he can beat you down. <laughs> actually, I, I'm lying. Nihal, he actually that kid beat me twice, <laughs> and then and then and then the third game, I played as a, a certain team and defeated him two to one. So, uh, let me guess, was it Real? Was it Real Salt Lake? <laughs> it might have been. Uh, next question comes from. Next question you're comes not, from what? You're not a fan though. You're not a fan. Though. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> next question comes from. Javier Zavaleta. I think he's Eric Zavaleta's brother. Um, I'm not sure, though. <laughs> Say this every show. <laughs> if, I'm going to have to ask Zavaleta. If, I don't think it is. But if Portland wins Supporters' Shield, doesn't make Porter the clear winner for manager? Well, you already answered this. Bowen, you could talk about it a little more. Is Porter the manager of the year if he wins Supporters' Shield? Absolutely. How could he not be? And I'm not, and I'm not just saying that because he was actually my Coach of the Year pick before the season. And I, I'm pretty sure I was the only guy who did that. Uh, but yeah, you know he deserves it absolutely for the way he rebuilt the team and 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 the way he has that this team playing with 
with such confidence and such quality. Uh, it, 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 for me, it's a no-brainer. Although, per, listen, Oscar Pereja is, is absolutely a worthy contender. And I don't think, you know, unless they crash out here and lose their last two games and, and either miss, you know, if they miss the playoffs, then obviously not. But, if you know, if they make the playoffs, Pereja, for me, he has to be on the ballot. Well, that wraps up the Q&A. Everyone, thank you for sending questions in. Keep sending questions in. Hashtag Ask the SBI Show at any time. Ivis, that wraps up the show, man. Before uh, before we go and, and sign off and do our next show after the Panama game, uh, anything we forgot? I, th- I think we got everything. I think we covered it all. Yes, I think we did. Are we going to end by saying goodbye one time or how many times today? I think once is enough. <laughs> I'm, ready to, I'm ready to pass out. That's your fault for staying up late, man. Uh, yeah, yeah I blame, by the way, for everyone going, where's the shows? It's all on Ivis. Yeah, all no, on it, it is not all on me. It's part me and part you, my man. What are you talking about? I, I was here last night doing nothing. That's pretty rare. That is rare, actually. It was actually very, it was very nice. Well, no, I, I watched Rocky Dead with my mom and dad. Then then I did nothing. Who does that? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, me, me, and the, me and the folks were watching Walking Dead. Well, so my parents are the because because um. You, is it cause you're because you're scared to watch? No, 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 no. My my, my <laughs> Sunday routine is I go I go to church with with my mom and dad, and then afterwards I come home for a really nice family dinner, and then they just they like The Walking Dead, so they got me hooked on the show because of that. So nice, yeah. But I mean, nice wholesome, yeah, dude. Nice wholesome evening of church, family, and zombies. Yeah, go. dude. Go home, have a meal that my mom cooks. I mean, come on, I can't pass that up, Ivis. Yeah, that's stuff to stuff to be exactly. It's always good food, too, like spaghetti. Last night we had steak sandwiches, steak, bread, some onions, butter oh, sauce. Oh, so good. I'm right now. It's so good. I got to go have breakfast. I, I saw the pictures. You posted some good pictures in Portland of the food, though. No, they, yeah, they've got some, they got some quality here. I got to say, I'm, I'm checking. I'm, uh, I'll be hitting up the, as many of the spots as possible while I'm here. Uh, I'm here till Wednesday, actually. So Tuesday night, I'll be watching U.S. Panama somewhere in Portland. So if you're in Portland, uh, I think I'm actually going to go. I, I can't I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but. Uh, I know AO Portland or AO PDX, uh, they're going to be having a watch party uh, somewhere in Portland. So find out where it is. And uh, if you get a chance to go, go and you might find me there. And Ivis remembers always everyone. He likes mojitos and Cosmos. <laughs> uh, apple teenies. There you go. <laughs> with, with extra teeny. Yeah, there you uh, go. No. <laughs> well, Ivis, that wraps up the show, man. I'll let you go and I'll talk to you after Tuesday, man. Have a good time up in Portland. Thanks, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate your comments, questions, and everything else you do to support the show. This is The SBI Show.